grab us to Ephesians chapter 5, although I meant we're going to be more focusing in on application this morning and the implications of what is talk, been, we've, we've been talking about than anything else. Because uh, as I've been going through Ephesians, so there's some things that I've been impressed with, some things that God has maybe been working on my own heart on, and I want to share those with you in a couple of different ways as we talk about walking in wisdom, that there's a, uh, to, to, to put the skills to, uh, for life in grace in the midst of your life, and what does that really look like? And there's a, a couple of implied skills, I think, that he's, that he's building off of that I want to kind of ex- explicitly pull out and say, hey, this is, what he, this is what he's talking about. You need to think about these kinds of things. And so we're going to look at one of those this week and one next week. Um, because, because doing this well, walking in wisdom, knowing God's grace in your life, and really um, walking in it well takes skill. And it takes that, that sense of, if you will, a space for grace. So the big idea for this morning is create a space for grace in your life. I've, I've mentioned it multiple times through the text as we've explored the, the implications in the, in the text in Ephesians chapter 4 and 5, this idea that Christ's grace has come to each one of us. Now how do, we, how do we tap into it? How do we appropriate it? How do we live and walk in it? How do we grow up in it, as it says in Ephesians chapter 4, becoming, in a sense, adults in grace? It's kind of like gardening, in my opinion. So I'm going to use kind of a gardening analogy throughout here this morning, in a sense. Uh, when I, the house I live in now, is, I haven't lived in it, we haven't lived in it as a family our, our whole uh, married life. And the one before this was in a new housing development, right? No trees, right? They cleared out most of the trees, and, uh, and we were in a new home, new build, um, and uh, it was a big yard, but there were no, no new trees. And so that meant in Iowa, there's a lot of sun, right? So you create this space for a garden and, uh, you know, get, get it tilled up, get the dirt, dirt richer and stirred up. And you, you're just like cultivating this garden space in your backyard. And every year I made it just a little bit bigger because, you know, why not? Except for the fact that weeds still grow, you know, and... And it, the more space you have, the more weeds you have to weed. Uh, and at a certain point, it got too big for us, in, in a sense. But, but, but we had plenty of sun, plenty of space. And, and it was just a matter of making sure that we learned how to use the space well. Now, in our, our, in our current home, we live uh, in a more established neighborhood uh, with plenty of trees. And a garden... Uh, it's not, it doesn't operate the same way when it's just all, it's, it's, it goes from all sun to mostly shade, right? Uh, you have to kind of work with the garden. You have to work with what you have. Like there's some spots of sun where we can plant some stuff that will actually grow some food, but mostly we've, we've shifted to like, how do we operate, because we're also on a hill, how do we operate so we don't just lose the dirt off our hill, you know what I mean? Uh, how do we make sure we, we save the dirt? And, and also, how do we create s- s- spaces of beauty and growth amidst the shade. And so it looks different, 
from place to place, but the, the, the goal is still the same, is to take the space you have and make it beautiful and productive, right? And that's the idea behind grace. Grace comes into our lives, but if we don't create the space for it, then and in some ways it's wasted. It doesn't turn our lives into something beautiful and productive. It just seems like a, a wasted opportunity, if you will. Jesus used the same idea in the parable of the sower and the seed. Do you remember that story? And, and he told it in multiple gospels it was told, right? Of, of Jesus tells the story of the sower that goes out to sow seed in the field. And he's sowing the seed in the field. And he says, some seed falls on the, on the hard path, right? And some seed falls on the rocky ground. And some seed falls amongst the weeds. And then some seed falls on good ground. And it produces much fruit, And then Jesus explains the parable, and he says, look, the seed is the word of God. It's that, it's it's, it's spread, and it goes, in a sense, everywhere. It touches every person, in a sense. But some people are like the hard ground where the devil comes, and and even before they even understand what they've received, they just snatched it out of their, snatches it out of their hearts. And some people, their, their hearts are like the rocky ground where it falls in and, and it springs up. And they, they, get, they get a result. They're like, oh, this is cool. And they, take, they, they start to explore it. And then persecution or trouble or trauma comes in. And they're like, oh, no, this is no good. And they, it withers and dies before producing fruit in their lives. And some people, right, he compares the weeds to the joys and pleasures of the world. They like the idea of God, but they really like the idea of having fun in their lives. <laughs> and so they, they go through life, and, and as long as kind of they can still have fun, they, the, the, see, the Word of God grows in their hearts, but then that fun slowly chokes out the Word from their lives. And some, right, have hearts that are tender, earnest, considering God's word and they and they produce fruit and fruit that remains and in here in Ephesians chapter 5 Paul has told us walk in wisdom and walking in wisdom means being filled with the Holy Spirit and being filled with this the spirit is this idea as we looked at last week that that all of our lives are God's He's, in three different ways, he said, your lifestyle should reflect the new reality that you've been created into in Christ. Christianity isn't just a, hey, I've got my ticket to heaven, and now I can just head for heaven at some point, and I can just live however I want in the meantime. It's the idea that, hey, all of our lives now are touched by grace. And Paul wants us to live in that grace so that we can experience it. This isn't just a matter of, well, you better do it or else. It's a matter of, don't you get what you've received? I'm going to pick on Tad because he had a birthday last night. And, you know, when you give gifts to teenagers, it's always very interesting, right? As parents, because you're like, okay, are you going to like this gift or not? Who knows, right? And, And so we give him gifts and... And, and, okay, some, some gifts, we admit, aren't that great gifts. I mean, it's just like, well, we, we thought you'd like this, and here it is. Or, no, we put a lot of thought into it, so we really think this would be appropriate for you. 
You, you, you see the difference between Christianity is not this gift that's like, well, we think it'd be good for you, so you should try it out. Christianity is the gift like, you, if you don't have this, you, you, you're dead. You're in trouble. Christianity is that kind of gift. And, and therefore, it affects all, all of life. And we live in a world that oftentimes gives lip service to the idea of Jesus and God and, and goodness, but doesn't tap into its power. This isn't a new problem. It was a problem back in the third century when Constantine, who the Roman emperors had persecuted Christianity for centuries, and then Constantine has some kind of conversion experience, so we don't know whether he's truly saved or not, but he claimed to be a Christian and made the whole empire switch to being Christian. Because if you worship the emperor, and then the emperor says, now I'm worshiping Christ, well, then you kind of follow suit, right? But it turned, all of a sudden, Christianity went from this persecuted religion to this popular religion and all these people flooded into the churches and then they weren't truly saved they were just claiming to be christians and the church instead of being a holy place became a worldly place and at that time people started in a sense to pull out of the church to go into the desert to try to find out okay what what is holy living truly look like i can't i can't find it in the regular church how do i find it and they, they started to develop in a sense these rules for life this this if i would say put it this way a space for grace to move from the typical way that we normally live like everyone else around us and instead find a way to walk in grace and while I don't think we need to move into the literal desert to find that, I do think in our lives, we need to think about how we create a space for grace. The analogy is one of the trellis and the vine. You, you understand a vine, right? It grows, it has no support like a tree to, to push it upward. It needs external supports to help it, to flourish. And a trellis is something that comes in and makes that support. Now, it could be elaborate, the trellis. It could be simple. I live, uh, there's a winery in town, and I live behind the winery, so I have to drive by the winery every day. And there's a very simple trellis for all the grapevines in that winery. It's two, two pieces of wood at an angle and wire that runs along about two feet apart along that, and the, and the, the vines the grapevines hang off of those wires and the grapes grow but you've seen trellises too right those the, the ones that are like english vines near a house right and you plant it and then it's and it grows up all along the side of the house right and it just kind of grows up and it looks beautiful once it's done although i would hate to be the one that has to take it off but but a trellis is something that helps the vine to flourish Jesus tells us, right, in John chapter 15, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. 
So this space for grace is about tapping into Jesus Christ, abiding in him, living in him. And at the same time, a good vine has a trellis that you're, in a sense, you're cooperating with what God wants to do. You're providing support in the choices you make, in the way you live your life. The trellis isn't the vine. I want to be clear about this. When we talk about the trellis, uh, spiritually, we're talking about maybe being in the Word, being in prayer, um, choosing to do certain things, choosing not to do other things, and saying, this is a part of just me walking in the Spirit, seeking to tap into what Christ wants for me to do. But that's not the vine, right? <laughs> that's just a trellis to support listening to Jesus and walking with Jesus. If, if you make the the trellis, uh, the vine, the trellis, then what you do is you look around at everyone and say, who has the best trellis? (laughs) They must be the best Christian. When often, that's far from the case. The people that can make the best trellises often make their trellis the vine. But every vine does better with a trellis. If we don't, in some ways, that's what Jesus is saying here. Abide in me and I in you. In John 15, he's saying you have, to, you have to abide in Christ. Well, you have to think about how to do that well. And that's what Paul is saying here in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, walk in wisdom. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. He's saying you have to, in your life, cooperate with what God is doing wisely. Think skillfully about what you're doing in your life to help you to walk and abide in Christ. The point is, in some ways, everyone has a space that they're living in. Or if you can call it a rule for life. Everyone has a, a basic program they live under and in. Some of you, it's, for some of you, it's intentional and purposeful and thought out, self-aware, and hopefully spirit-filled. And some of you, it's just like, well, I got to get up at a certain time to go to work, and I got to come home, and I got to eat at certain times, right? And I got to have fun sometimes. And so you just try to plug in certain things into your life, and you don't think about it. It's just like, well, uh, yeah, I guess if I have to get, be at work at 8, then I'm going to have to get up at 6.30, or I'm going to have to get up at 7.45, you know, for those of you who work from home, right? Or I have to, you know, I have to eat three times a day, right? So I guess I'm going to choose uh, corn pops for breakfast and Pop-Tarts for lunch and... I don't know for supper, you know. And some of you, it's like I'm going to have salad for for supper, and I'm going to. You, you understand the difference, right? Everyone has a rule of life. Everyone has a trellis for for how they support what they want out of life. Jesus is saying in John 15, and Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter five, you. Think about what God has done in your life and and craft your life in such a way to live skillfully within the grace that you've received. So how do we do this? How do we create space to experience God? Because that's what grace is all about. How do we create this space? Well, it goes back to remembering what God has done. 
right? We go back to Ephesians chapter 1. I'm just arguing Ephesians here in a sense. I'm bringing you back up and reminding you of what we've covered so far over many months. Remember Ephesians chapter 1? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in verse 3 who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Right? He goes on and talks about all of these spiritual blessings that God has given us. This is who we are in Christ. This is the grace that we have received. We are chosen by God. We are adopted into his family. We are redeemed and forgiven of our sins, bought out of the slave market of sin, and brought into a a new purpose for life. We know the end of history, that it's all wrapped up in Christ, summed up in him, that it's all focusing in on him. It's also realizing that we have an inheritance planned for us through God's plan for us that we can look forward to. We have an inheritance. And we have the Holy Spirit given to us as a a down payment to show us that we are His, that we are owned by God. This is who you are in Christ. You're chosen, you're redeemed, you're adopted. But do you let that, in a sense, sink down into your life? Or is it all kind of this, well, I go to church on Sunday, but when my friend rejects me, I don't think about how I'm chosen in Christ at all. I think, man, I must be a terrible person because my friend rejected me right now. When I mess up, I think, oh, I'm a terrible person. How can I mess up this badly? I don't think, man... I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. What does that mean for right now? What's God going to do in the midst of this mess? When we, when we feel the, the, the weight of, of history and we're wondering, where are things going? What's happening in this world? Why are things so chaotic? We don't, if we haven't let it sink in down into our souls with the grace of Christ is we think, man, this is a crazy world. How am I going to live in this world? I better just live for me or live for that cause or live for this. Live in hope of that. Maybe the world can be a better place. But in Christ, we who are his know that history has an ultimate aim. In the end, God wins. And if you don't let those things be a part of your life, if you don't think about how to, in a sense, cooperate with the truths of that, to live, in a sense, in what God has done for you, then you are frustrated and afraid and lonely and scared. And not that you don't feel those as Christians sometimes, but you have no place to go with those. But to create a space for grace steps back and says, how do I live as if these things are true? (laughs) Because they are true. I am chosen. I am redeemed. I am adopted. The Holy Spirit is in me as a possession. I am God's. 
And that's why Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says that as a body of believers, we work until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. He's saying, I don't want you to be children anymore. Don't get just tossed and thrown by, by the winds of your circumstances of your life. Oh, my friend loves me today. He hates me tomorrow. I must be a terrible person. I must be a great person. Why the swings? If you live in grace, if you walk in grace, you are no longer children. Instead, you can stand in grace. And that's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we should speak the truth in love to one another so that we all grow up into Christ, that we all grow up in this grace, that it becomes a part of our lives. So that when he gets to Ephesians chapter 5, he says, walk in love and walk in light and walk in wisdom. Make the realities of the Christian faith the realities of your life that you walk in them, that they're a life, a, a part of you. Not perfectly. The, the point is not to be perfect because this space of grace that we're living in is not about perfection. It's about experiencing the grace of God. When we talk about this, then we're talking about a trellis, a way we think about our lives, so the things, the decisions we make about the big rocks in our lives, so to speak, the, the big things that we want to get done in such a way that we don't, we live in grace and not just according to our culture. Like Iowans overall, we, we have a basic excuse that we use that everyone should believe. Not, Iowans are a little different this way. If you travel different parts of the country, you can't use this excuse because people call you on it and you're like, what? Why can't I use this excuse? Everybody in Iowa uses this, this excuse. It's, I'm busy right now. That's the excuse I want to use, right? I'm busy. Doing what? Oh, doing stuff, you know. I got stuff happening here, there, and everywhere. I'm busy. Why are you busy? Well, I, I got stuff to do. I, 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 you know, I think it's part of our farming culture. Like, like farmers just, they, they want to appear busy, right? You ever notice a farmer, right? I'm just going to pick on farmers for a second, right? Like, they're busy all the time. They got stuff, irons in the fire all the time. You wonder, what do you do? I mean, all you got to do is watch plants grow. Now, I realize as I say that, you know, you're like, okay, pastor, what do you do? You know, you just got to preach one time a week, you know. <laughs> you know, what goes around comes around. But the point is, is that we, we use this, this reason, but it's so vague and so universal that it seems okay to use. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we say, like, if, if, if that's when you go through life and just say, at the end of your life, well, I was busy all the time. I mean, is, is that a great goal to have? Honestly, like, I was busy. I, I, yes, God, I was busy all the time. What'd you do? I don't know. I was busy. No, think about what does God, what has God made for you to do? 
What, what is, God has created you as an individual with certain skills and abilities that are unique to you, certain interests and loves, passions that you have. Like, why would you want to be just like everyone else when you can do the things that God has made you to do in this space of grace that he's given you? He's chosen you. And if you're chosen, then there's something about you that he wants to use, that he wants to be involved in, that he wants to get connected to, and he wants you to be connected to him. The space of grace, if you, if you don't think about the way you live your life, then you can go through life and never think about how he's made you and what that means for how you use your time and skills and abilities. It also means that you can get so caught up in everything that you've committed to do. I mean, there's certain times in my life where I'm, I'm, I'm coaching soccer, I'm involved at church, I've got taking care of kids at home, I've got to visit people for church, I've got to do so many different things that I just get so busy doing everything that I don't stop and think, well, how is this connecting me to God, right? Because what Ephesians is saying is the reason why God has rescued us from sin and death is so that he can be connected to us, that we can be part of his family, that we can walk in his grace. And if we don't think about that and we're just thinking about everything we've committed to do and the things that we've got to get done and checking off our checklists, we miss out on how the things that we do in life connect us to God. Another thing that happens, I think, is that we get caught up in not recognizing our limits. You know, when I was, when I, again, I'm old enough now that I can compare kind of how things operate now to how things operated then, you know? I'm that old. It's hard to admit, but I am. So in the 90s, okay, again, I'm dating myself. You know, this is when, this is when uh, we were just barely had email. The internet was just a vague version of itself back then, okay? And the, in the 90s, it was all about being productive. Like, you, you, you read, even in high school, you read time management books about how to be more productive with your time, how to, how to be effective with what you do. You know, there was books like First Things First and things like that, where you were like, okay, I've got to be productive. And there's nothing wrong with being productive. But if it's all tied to my, my identity, like, if I don't produce, then I'm not a good person, that's not connected to grace. In today's world, it seems it's much more like I've got to watch out for my mental health. I've got to think about the needs that I have mentally and physically and to take care of myself. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't connect it to grace, then all it is is an infinite sucking hole of the needs that you have that God wants to fill. And God wants you to experience his grace amongst. And so we need to recognize, part of how this works is recognizing our own limitations. You know what? For me, I cannot organize every second of my day. It would drive me nuts. My wife, she can do it better than I can. <laughs> She's more organized. She's more, more disciplined. I, I, I want a little more spontaneity. <laughs> I want a little bit more of a, a sense of what's going to happen next. I don't know. Rather than I know what's going to happen next and I'm pretty excited about it. 
I'd be like, I know what's going to happen next, and I'm not that excited about it, honestly, because I know what's going to happen. Just differences in personality, differences of how we operate. And if we don't understand our limitations, if we don't understand, like, uh, like I can't just run, run, run 24-7. God, God never made us to run 24-7. He even took one, week, one day a week off, so to speak, right? He took a Sabbath and said, look, look, rest. Enjoy my creation. So if we don't rest, if we don't recognize our limitations, we just run ourselves ragged, and we, again, we're not setting ourselves up for a space where we're experiencing God's grace. If you're a student and you're like, oh God, I've got to get all these things done by the end of the semester, great, have a plan for that. But within that plan, plan times to have fun, to, to just step back from the, 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 the pace of getting all of your homework assignments done, and and just rest in grace. You know what? God loves you regardless if you get straight A's in, in class. God loves you even if, even if you don't even fail a class. If you fail a class. He still loves you. He, grace is still there. That was why he, he, he instituted the Sabbath in the first place. Partially was to help the, the Israelite ex-slaves to realize, you know what? You don't have to work 24-7 cause, just because your masters said to. I can handle the universe. Right? There was a storm that happened last night. Did you have to control that storm? No. You woke up, the grass got its rain, definitely the atmosphere got its nitrogen because there was plenty of lightning going on, right? God took care of all that. Can, can, you, can you just realize that this place, this world you live in is a, is a place of grace? For those of us who trust in Christ, you are not God. You are not infinite, nor eternal, nor limitless. And you can live within your limits. In fact, actually, it's really freeing to realize God gave you those limits so that you could experience Him better. If you're always fighting your limits, you're not living in that grace. So that, that includes even things like grieving and rejoicing. So two questions you need to ask yourself are, who am I? How, what, how has God made me? How do I relate to him? But then also, who is God? I love some of the songs we sang this morning, thinking about the fact that God is triune. You realize when you think about the plan that you have, you're, you're entering into God as Father. Like God the Father, He created the plan. He, he planned this all out from eternity past or eternity future. He knows what the plan is. Christ came in and He executed the plan. He, he came and created the world, right? It says without Christ, nothing was made that was made. He, he executed the plan. And he executed the plan with grace. The Father's plan was a plan of love. But Christ came in with the grace to make it experience, to, to bring experience of that love. And we, when we think about the experiences we have, we want to bless others and we want to be blessed by others. And that's experiencing Christ as we go through life. And then the Spirit comes in and he, he brings that experience to life. He makes it real. He, he brings it to life, so to speak. And in the moment-by-moment moment experiences of life, whether they're spontaneous or planned, the Spirit is with us. The this, this space that we live in is a space of grace. 
that we are accepted 100% for who we are, and yet, at the same time, God is at work in us, changing us. And so, to create a space of grace in a practical way means to think about your rhythms of life, your days, your weeks, your months, your seasons of life. And to, to kind of put a plan, so to speak, for how to do this. Now, again, if you would like to, to, to maybe think about this in more depth, I have some materials you can get on the app and you can say, Pastor Will, there's a rule of life sign up. You can just say, hey, ask me for that and I'll send it to you, maybe talk with you about it and how you can think, think it through. Or maybe you can use the, the connection card and just say, I'm interested in that rule of life thing and I'll help you get that. But to think about your seasons and to think, okay, here's just, there's, a, there's many ways you can do this, but there's kind of four, four areas of life to think about. The four areas are, and you can pick different areas, but these are just ones that I use. The first one is prayer. I'm talking to God. I'm relating to God. Uh, the, um, how, what, what, I, what do I need to do? How, how do I need to talk with him and spend time with him? Another area is, is rest. Like, I can, I can step back from the pace of life. I can step back from the, the freneticness of life and just rest in who God is and what he's done for me. And it might look different for me than for you, but rest is important. And I'm not talking just about sleeping, okay? We'll get back, we'll come back to that. The third area is relationships, like the people that God has put in my life that I love and that I want to experience that love with. How do I spend time with them? What do I do? The, the relationships I want to pursue. And the fourth area is work. What does God want me to do good in the world? How can I bless others? How can I make a contribution to God's world? Prayer, rest, relationships, and work. And I, then I think about, okay, wh what are some ways that I can experience grace in, the, in, in those areas? In prayer, I'm spending some time, and I'm not just focusing on, well, I've got to make sure I pray for everything I'm supposed to pray for, but I'm, but I'm talking to God, God, I appreciate your grace. I love your grace. I want that grace to be seen in this person's life, and in, I want it to be seen in my life, and, and we're just taking time to, to express that to God and, and spend time with God. I, 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 rest is an area where it, it could be a variety of things. It might be a hike in the woods. It might be just sitting quietly reading a book. It might be uh, just a quiet conversations with, with people you love, or it might be, like for me, sometimes me and my wife, it's just, it's running down country roads, you know, hoping that our dog doesn't run away from us. Why? You say, that's, that's work, but it's also rest, because it just resets our bodies and helps us to feel more at peace. There's a lot of ways rest comes in, but you, you, where you step back and say, I don't have to make everything happen. Relationships, obviously, I'm spending, I'm spending time with family, I'm spending time with friends, I'm spending time with, with people that God, God has placed in my life to, to be a blessing to. And there's always a give and take to that, right? Sometimes I'm giving, sometimes I'm taking, and it's, it's happening in the midst of life. and even work. But not just work like, okay, I've got all my stuff done for work, but how do you experience grace at work? You ever think about that? Like, where is God in the midst of your work? Is he helping you? 
Is he giving you wisdom and understanding and skill and accomplishing your work? Maybe it's just a matter of, hey, God, I've got some relationships at work and I, I, I want to be a blessing to those people just, just because I, I want them to know your grace too. You see, all four areas are, are, about, are about stepping back and saying, okay, I, I want to experience your grace here. I, I go to work and I want to I know that I'm chosen, that I'm redeemed, <laughs> that I'm adopted. So when I mess up at work, hey, there's space for grace to go, you know, God, I messed up here, but I know your grace is here. I, I, I don't know how this is all going to play out, but I'm going to just walk with you, trust you through this, seek to love others, and admit my mistakes, and, and see what God can do in the midst of it. There's a space for grace there. You see the difference in approach to life? The world out there, there's a lot of different approaches, but obviously one major one is just you got to be productive. You got to make enough money to be happy in life. You got you to succeed. You know what? The God of success doesn't have a lot of grace. You either win or you lose. And usually it's, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> Sometimes it's just the God of pleasure that's sitting there saying, hey, you want to have fun? Have fun. This is great. But then there's so many backside <laughs> downsides, destructive things. We have grace. We can walk in grace. We can live in grace. And so, so creating that space doesn't, again, this isn't about perfection. This isn't about even idealism. You should just start where you are. You say, well, I haven't prayed and talked to God in months. Okay, well, just a minute a day. <laughs> Let's start there. You know what I mean? Oh, two minutes a day. We're not talking about, okay, I'm going I'm to start talking to God. I'm going to, an hour a day. Here we go. Don't go from zero to 100. God's not interested in that. He's interested in a relationship where you walk with him and, and trust him and, and live in that space. Start where you are because that's where God is. He's with you in the midst of it. And seek that union with God by walking with grace. I want to add one last point here in the midst of this because I, I tend to move toward idealism. Like, okay, boom, I'm going to do an hour a day. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it all perfect. And I call this point dancing the balance and walking with God. My point here is no one is perfectly balanced. I can have these four areas, work and relationships and prayer and rest, and I can think about my life and how it works. But I'm not perfectly balanced in all of those. You know those balls, right? Like my kids are better at it than me sometimes. You get a ball and you try to stand on a ball. And you're constantly doing this and obviously falling off all the time, right? But some people are skilled enough to stand on a ball and keep standing on it. And you're like, man, I want to be like that. Like I can stand on a ball and not fall off. I'm perfectly balanced all the time. The problem with that is then you're stuck. You can't go anywhere <laughs> because you just have to stay on the ball, right? And it can't move at all or you fall off. When we're walking with God, just like, just like any baby, right? They're learning to walk. What do they do? They got to realize, I got to actually be unbalanced <laughs> and fall forward, so to speak, to take that next step. And in life, as you go through life, you're going to realize, man, I'm, I'm kind of out of balance here. Don't view that as failure. View that as, okay, God's make, moving me to the next step. Why view it as, oh, I'm, I'm just messing up all the time. I can't get my life perfect. No, think God is moving me forward in a, in a dance of grace. That's, all, that's why I use the word dance, because in a sense it's that, that shift of 
wait, let's shift of, it's a rhythm. You got to be able to move. And I'm going to stop right here before I embarrass my kids about how I dance. Okay? But the point is, is that you have to, to live in the midst of this balance of life. And it's not about finding a perfect balance, it's finding a rhythm to the balance. And so, like I mentioned before, sometimes people love spontaneity, sometimes people love structure. Frankly, you need a little of both, right? You need a little spontaneity of life, like, oh, let's just go have Dairy Queen ice cream, that's awesome. And we need some structure, like most of the time we need to eat salad, you know, it's the way it is right now, right? Uh, you, you need a little bit of both. And, and as you think about your areas of life, prayer, rest, relationships, work, because sometimes you're giving, sometimes you're receiving. And you think about that balance, so to speak. Well, this week, oh man, I gave a lot to my kids, okay? Then say, kids, I gave you a lot this week, time to do the, trying to do the chores, just being honest. You gotta move, got this thing, get this thing organized again, Right? Just part of that balance to life. It, and, and as you go through life, you're, you're, you're saying, in the midst of this dance that I'm going through, it's, it's about re recognizing this is all of grace. Like, he wants me to move into giving over here, and he wants me get to move into receiving over here. It's, it's good to do both. And it's good to plan times of rest. And it's good to plan times of work. It's good to take some spontaneity to life and it's, it's good to make a plan. It's good to spend time with people and it's good to spend time with God and trying to say, well, I've got X hours of people time and X hours of God time in. Have a general idea, but it's not about saying, well, check it off. I only got five hours with people this week. Man, I was going for six. Okay. How much time do you spend with God? Think about both sides of that. Can you just spend some time quietly with God, resting and reflecting in who he is, and maybe just some time in prayer, thinking, about, okay, God, what, what's next? What do you want me to do? How do, how do we want to live? It comes back to this idea of what's your garden like? You know, in, in our new home, we basically, we've moved to raised beds because we need more sunlight and more focus <laughs> and not too much space. You know, if we tried in those beds to like, plant every single plant you could you could get like we're going to put peas in there we're going to put potatoes in there we're going to put tomatoes in there it, you know at a certain point nothing grows because it's too cramped it's okay i'm, I'm speaking to people in my generation it's okay to kind of weed out a few things and say you know what i can only grow potatoes this year <laughs> it's okay that's good Sometimes you need to be like, let's add a few things in. Let's bring, bring a few other elements to bear. Let's provide some balance here. Maybe you need to add some things in and not just think, well, I need to veg out on YouTube for a while. No, what you, the big question is, what's your garden like? Do you have some time with God in your life? How's that going? Do you have some time of rest in your life? Do you have some time for work in your life? Where you're, and I'm not just talking about potentially your job. I'm talking about doing good in the world. 
What about for relationships? What's your garden like? Because Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Christ came into the world not to make us look good, but to make him look good. So we can worship and praise his grace and not boast in ourselves. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is, we have a space of grace. The question is, is are we operating in that space of grace? Are we, are we tapping into the grace that we've received and recognizing God, God has chosen me. I'm, I'm, I've got some purpose in life. God, I'm adopted. I'm, I'm welcomed. I'm received. Even if other people say I don't belong, I belong. And I want people in my life that communicate that to me and help me and encourage me and walk with me. Why? Because I'm in this space of grace. So as you think about your life, do you have, so to speak, a trellis, a rule of life that helps you keep the balance and walk in grace? If you don't have that, you need that. No vine flourishes without a trellis. It's not the vine, but you need a trellis. So will you think about your life and plan your life and create that space for grace? Will you do it? Again, if you need help, um, you can get on the app, sign up for Rule of Life. I'll send you the information. We can talk about it a little bit. Use the connection card. I, I want you to be able to have that space for grace, for you to walk in that grace, to live in that grace, and as Paul says, to walk in wisdom. Please do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We admit that sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we abuse it. But it is always there. You have chosen us. You have redeemed us. You have adopted us. You have given us your Holy Spirit and you have an inheritance that is waiting for us because you have created us in grace as your workmanship. Lord, help us to walk in grace and to let, in a sense, to think about our lives in order to create a space for that grace to flourish, to see what you can do in our lives and through our lives. In your Son's name we pray. Amen.